We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, moving into 7 o'clock hour. we got a little baseball here. Going to talk some Billikens basketball and probably a little baseball. Bob Ramsey coming up in a few minutes. Uh, more on the Super Bowl a little bit later on in the show. We'll jump around a bit. I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure where I want to go at the end of the show, but, you know, it's how I am sometimes. I had stuff planned, but now my mind's changing. So we'll see. We'll see. But we're going to do some universal DH here. And... I just wanted to get into it because, you know, that's one of the things that Rob Manfred mentioned today that the owners have agreed on. The players offered, wanted that in there, and he mentioned that the owners agree. Okay, so there's going to be a universal DH. Number one, I want to be clear, though. Like, he, he made the point, and it's a point that I've made in the past, something I've talked about in the past because it did used to be this way. He mentioned that that's a pretty significant give from the owners to the players, because they that's you know that's that's 15 new jobs and it's not really because most teams are not just going to go out and add a 10 million dollar veteran hitter they're just not going to do that now down the road it can lead to teams being more open to longer term contracts or bigger contracts for hitters with the idea being that ah you know what when he gets a little too old for the outfield he can slide to dh you know that that it does that does help but i would bet you that by next year, you won't see all of the National League teams with a high-priced DH. It's just not going to be that way. But, again, when you consider it over time, it is another spot in the everyday lineup. It is another opportunity for somebody to put up numbers. It is another opportunity, even if it's a young guy at first, to build a career, to, to earn some money down the road that might otherwise not have been earned. But most teams are probably going to continue to do what's been trendy here lately and rotate the DH. Now, you still need nine quality hitters, right? I mean, you, you know, not, or I shouldn't say nine qualities, but nine capable hitters to put in your lineup. You do need an extra quality bat. If you're going to be going on the cheap and just be like, well, they're going to go with somebody who's not much of a hitter. Yeah, you're not going to want to do that because other teams will have a huge advantage over you. I don't think it's the big give that that Manfred made it out to be, but I do think it is a benefit. I, I do think longer term, it can be good for players that are, you know, again, currently signing, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 year deals 
and they're they're you know they're outfielders now. But if they get old and they slow down, maybe it's better for them to be a DH down the road. Certainly, there's that benefit. I mean, that was one of the reasons why the Angels were a little bit more willing to go. Not a little bit, clearly a lot more willing to go long on Albert. Right? Well, you know, if he declines, we can slide him to DH. We always have that to rest him or whatever. It didn't really work out that way, and it's not working out that way for Miguel Cabrera in Detroit, but that's been the thinking in the past. What I will say, though, I wanted well, the part I wanted to get into on the DH thing, though, in is you might think you're going to hate it now, being that you, you're, if you're listening to me on KMOX, you are very likely to be an old-school National League baseball fan, right? You don't want to miss out on the strategy, you know, Small ball is fun, you know, the 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 mental game late in the games, the matchups and all that can be fun. And while I understand that position, that stuff has all been going away anyway because of the way teams are making decisions now. The way that analytics are dictating, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I think this is a good thing. Because people usually when they say, well, analytics it's always in the negative tone. I, I'm cool with analytics. It's a good thing. It's not the only thing that people need to consider because human beings are playing the game. It's not a computer simulation. You know, it's one of the reasons why you can't always just say, well, let's just play platoons. Yeah. Do you want to have a bunch of unhappy players? Because unhappy players are not going to perform as well. You know, you are you are managing human beings. You do need to consider what those things mean to a player. You know, being an everyday guy as opposed to a platoon guy. But the point I wanted to get to on the on the universal DH is before much longer, you're gonna be okay with it, I bet. It sounds terrible up front if you're if you're you know, if you love the double switch, which is not even that complicated. I mean, come on. I figured out the double switch when I was like nine years old. It's not really like strategy. It's just the way you do things when you want to have a pitcher out there a little bit longer. Most pinch hitting matchups are somewhat predetermined, right? You got your guys that are going to face right-handers. You got your guys that are going to face left-handers. I mean, you got a guy that hits fastballs better. One guy hits curveballs better, whatever. But you kind of know what you're going to do based on what's out there. But that that one or two, those one or two moments that might come up in a given game are not worth the sacrifice of watching pitchers hit three times a game. Because it's just bad. They hit a buck 08 last year. There's nothing worse than a bunt with one out. <laughs> and I mean a sacrifice bunt, not a bunt for a hit. There's nothing worse than the sack bunt with one out. The overall benefit of having a professional hitter in that spot, as opposed to somebody that maybe hasn't hit since high school, it's going to make a difference in the game. It's going to be more entertaining. You're not going to see it. And, and look, I understand the pushback now. I'm just saying that like before long, I think you're going to be okay with it. Like when people saw it in 2020, they were like, all right, this isn't that bad. Not everybody. I know some of you are going to be clinging to, to the, the old school national league style of ball till the day that you are leaving this earth. And again, fully understand it. Don't, don't have a problem with it. But from a logical standpoint, asking pitchers to swing the bat in a time when they are not trained to do that is silly. Why in the world would you have somebody do something against the best people in the world and not train them to do it? These guys don't hit in the minor leagues. And if they do, it's 
once in a while here and there. I think when I looked it up last year, Jack Flaherty had something like 17 minor league at bats, 18. Like, come on, man. That's not enough to get you ready to hit in the major leagues. Let's just move on from that silliness. Not trying to, you know, poke the bear. I'm not trying to be contrarian or anything. I actually like both American League and National League style. I was fine with it being the way that it was. But if I have to pick, I don't, from an entertainment standpoint, and keep in mind that we're also trying to appeal to people that may not be as diehard as you are or as diehard as I am. You've got me at hello. I'm not going anywhere. And I bet a lot of you listening on KMOX are the same way as me. We have to make sure that there's going to be a little bit more fun, a little more entertainment, a little bit more excitement. And by the way, you're going to love it. You know what you're really going to love about the DH if it comes in? Is if guys like Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes are ready to play in the big leagues this year and all of a sudden you got another hitter in the middle of the order that you like. It's a lot of fun <laughs> when you get it that way. It's a little less fun when your own team doesn't have that. And you know who knows? We'll see what the Cardinals do there, whether they add somebody in free agency or they go the route of uh, the internal plan. And I think the internal plan is probably the initial plan. And then hopefully there's an adjustment on the fly if it's necessary during the season. All right, let's talk a little college basketball. And, and you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna bring some of these things up too with my friend Bob Ramsey. Uh, the voice of the Billikens will join me next up. We'll talk about the Billikens' six-game winning streak, what's next for them, how they've adjusted since the injury to Javante Perkins, where they are in terms of potentially making a tournament run. And, of course, I'm going to toss in a little baseball when we come back here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Billikens and what's going on is a whole lot of winning. 17-6 and six on the year, six-game winning streak, second place in the A-10. Uh, behind only Davidson, who they face here, I think, in like a week and a half. So we got a lot to talk about. A team that's going real well. Happy to have the voice of the Billikens, Bob Ramsey, with us. You'll find him on Twitter, at RammerSTL. And, you know, Rammer, when we talked about this team earlier in the year, it wasn't long after uh, the injury to Javante Perkins. We talked about a lot of the things that would need to happen for this team to have some success. And, well, it looks like uh, it looks like a few of those things are happening. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting that the uh, Travis Ford said that this has been one of the slowest to, air quotes, get it, of any of his teams that ended up being pretty good. But he said, it, it, but it appears they are getting it mm-hmm. and starting to play pretty well. Uh, you know, when we, were, when we talked earlier at the very beginning of the season about what you needed to do, we had some games on the schedule. It really was a brilliant schedule, which is a, we could do a whole show on scheduling, <laughs> but a brilliant schedule. The problem was that this team, as a group, weren't ready to win yet. And that I know that sounds – it's not an excuse because, man, you sure do wish you had UAB and Belmont yep. and even Auburn back again, but the team wasn't quite ready to win. And they blew leads and didn't know how to close out games – and that's not to say they're going to be perfect the rest of the way, but it appears they figured some of that stuff out now. And Travis thinks they've got another level, and I, I tend to agree with him. You know, I, I would agree. I mean, look, it's it's not perfect, but a lot of the things that we were hoping to see have been there. Uh, like, you know, we, we kind of knew what to expect from Yuri Collins, right? We, yep. we You know, I think we, we you know, a couple of the guys, though, that we were still learning about when we last talked about all this was, you know, like, what are we going to get from Okoro? What level is in there for, for Gibson Jimerson as a scorer? And how reliable can he be? And I think, again, a lot of positive answers there. Obviously, we've seen that you go pretty much, what, seven, eight guys deep pretty and, and pretty Easy. confident about what you're getting, and then you've got more that can add a little here and there depending on what you need on a given day. That's exactly right. Uh, it, it, that's a perfect um, setup because I, I think one of the keys is going to be for us down the stretch is the depth at center. Most of the teams we play have at least one good big. Right. But there aren't many – that you can get a full 40 minutes out of your three guys. And what's really been interesting, if, if people want to be nerds like us and, go back <laughs> and, and look at box scores and that sort of thing, Martin Linson and uh, Francis Okoro, sort of not quite every other game, but almost every other game, one guy's got a matchup that he excels in. Mm. And then the next, next game, the other guy's got it. The point is they're not the exact same kind of player. And to this point, they complement each other. Yeah. And then you've got Basil Traore, who is just still learning, actually learning how to play basketball, yet he has been able to give good minutes most nights when there's foul trouble. And so you don't, um, as, a, as a staff, you're not as worried about the foul trouble from the bigs because you're three deep. Right. So I don't want to jinx it, but that's been how it's playing out. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things that is – I mean, really interesting to me and because I, I'm, I know that when it comes to a team, you know, in the A-10, pretty much anybody in that level, right? You're not, you're not fielding a team with one-and-done guys or, you know, high-end yeah. first-round picks. So some of the basic things matter, like mm, knocking down your free throws, uh, like having a pretty solid three-point percentage from at least a few guys that you know if you're behind late in the game, we can let the, set these guys loose and they can come back. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the three-point shooting is a little better than it was last year. Not a whole lot, but I think the free-throw shooting seems to be a good bit better. It's unbelievable. It's as good as we've had in many, many years and for the longest time, you feared free throw shooting at the end of the game. You yeah. feared that you were going to lose it, and legitimately so. Now it's absolutely a weapon, and it's a good one. It's really good. And, I, you know, I, I'm just uh, 
you know, because we'd always lament, they're free, hit them, <laughs> you know. And, and everybody felt the frustration. The players did too. Now you've got a group, especially your bigs. You know, having bigs that can hit free throws, for whatever reason, that seems to be, you know, uh, a, a non-trend. You know, right. bigs across the country, oh boy, just hope he hits his free throws. And Okoro and Linson are yep. lights out. It's really good. And then you talk about, you know, the three-point shooting, Jimerson has become a marked man, and appropriately so. If you were going to scout the Billikens and put a game plan, you got to say, we can't let Jimerson beat us, right? right? I mean, that's logical. So we take him away, but anytime you take away something, you open up a door to something else. And that has been these other contributors, including Yuri Collins, adding to his game with scoring. So um, we're we're a handful right now. It's been fun to watch. And, you know, Rammer, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting conference. Obviously, Davidson is, is having another great year. Uh, and they'll be, you know, these two, what are they hooking up? Like two, three games down the road here? I know. Uh, yeah. You got, yeah. I think it's like a week, a week and a half away. So, you know, That's I don't right. know that, I don't know that first place is going to be on the line in that game because Davidson has to lose for first place to be on the line with a game right. and a half lead right now. But you're in contention for the regular season title in the A10. Uh, you're in the top 50 in the Ken Palm ratings. I think number 48 now, with a chance for that to go up the rest of the way or, or go down. I suppose. I think. I think that you know you're 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 in a spot where you you control some of your destiny. Like the tournament's not crazy. You've got an op- opportunity to make a run in the 810 tournament, and all of that after losing a guy like Javante Perkins at the beginning of the year. Yeah, when you put that little caveat on there, you go, "Wow, they're doing something." And I think you're right. And it sounds obvious, well, yeah, if you win your games, right. But now you're talking about a team that is capable of winning games. Yeah. You're not talking about a, a, an 11-10 and 10 team struggling to try and figure it out. Well, if they just win their games, you go, come on, really? But you got a team that's on a roll. you got a team that has arguably the best point guard in the country, certainly has the best stats. And with his defense that Yuri's added, you've got – a legitimate top-flight three-point shooter that's as good as anybody in the country. And although there's a couple of guys that are shooting like 50% from three, they're just, <laughs> I don't know what they're on, but I want some. And, uh, and, and you've, got, you've got depth. You've got bigs that can play. You've got a little bit of everything. And then you've got a couple of X factors like Jordan Nesbitt, who's still really learning the game. Yeah, Terrence Hargrove Jr. that uh, gives you athleticism. And energy. So when you say, well, their destiny's in front of them, got to go win games, you're saying it because it's a team that is capable. When you look at the schedule, they're capable of winning all their games. Will they? Well, you wouldn't bet that if you were a better, but you say it's in front of you. Control yeah. your own destiny. And, and you know, the, a bigger picture, just evaluating the whole thing, I mean, there's, there's only one game all year that's gotten away from you. And and that game was the game, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And and you know, right out of the gate, it's what is it? Two weeks, three weeks after you find out about the Perkins injury, you're still sorting through everything, and you get beat by 16 there. Every other game has been at least in some way in doubt. And we're talking about the the you know the best team in the country for most of the year. Auburn's a four point game. UAB's really good in the CUSA. That's a five point game. Uh, Dayton's really good. That's a five-point game. I think the one you probably want back is the UMass game, right? I mean, I think we all would agree you want that one back. But that was a mess. Yeah, and and but but overall, you have one bad loss, 
and you've played with some of the better teams in the country, and you've won the rest. I mean, it's not yeah. perfect, but considering the whole picture and looking ahead to me when I'm trying to make a case, because this is kind of what I'm getting to, Rammer, so I'm making the case that if things don't change dramatically, this should be a tournament team. Yeah, so then you start to get in playing the parlor games of how many wins. Yep. yep. If you have any losses, who can they come come against? How far legitimately you start to do some math now, how far up in Ken Palm and net rating can you get? And then it can it can be fun and interesting, kind of a deep dive for basketball nerds. And it can also drive you crazy <laughs> as you try and look at because the out because the thing that's not in you can figure the math, but you can't figure for sure who's going to win on a given night. Yeah, and I guess that's why we keep coming back because you just don't know. Yep, for sure, for sure. And obviously, next up is uh, the Bonnies coming to town tomorrow night, eight o'clock, right here on KMOX. Uh, Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin Jr. on the call with pregame starting at seven forty-five. Rammer with us here on Sports Open Line on KMOX, and you know, Rammer, we always talk a little baseball when we do this. I, I don't even know yeah. what there is to talk about. But I felt like, you know, we, we heard from the commissioner today and we're waiting for spring training to start. We have no idea when that's going to be. And, you know, I figured since you and I are talking and we always throw in a little ball, I just kind of lob you a little front toss here for you to hit it into the back of the cage really hard. <laughs> just gi- give me what you're feeling right now on this, because obviously we've all been through this before. You and I have remembered 94, 95. You know, we've been through all that. We haven't done that in a long time. Every day I feel like I sh- we should be getting some kind of news that says, okay, they'll be playing by, by March 31st. And every day I'm annoyed that, you know, we, we are where we are and we're still waiting. I got, this is total gut feeling. No data, because there is no data. You're talking about a labor negotiation. Um, I, Buster Olney said, he's heard some people say, see it flag day. I think that's too doom and gloom. Yeah. And that, that, that would that would be disastrous for the game. Um, I think we're going to get a rare smile on tax day. Huh. So I, I think, I think they'll be back playing the middle of April. It's kind of just kind of a gut feeling. You and I have been through these labor negotiations for decades now, and you just get a feel they battle. They don't talk, you know, a lame offer, uh, an adamant, uh, uh, no, yep, from the yep. other side, and back. But it seems like because there's, you know, they talk. They're talking about trying to split down the middle. That's what the players want. Billions of dollars, and the longer you go uh, not playing, you're saying, "Well, we're going to cut our nose off the spider face." There's kind of a drop yeah, dead yeah. date in there where the, you don't want. Neither side wants to lose their butts, right? And so I kind of, I, I'm kind of feeling the middle of April. You know, I, I, I have said from the beginning, and I'm too stubborn to move off it just yet, that they'll be ready on opening day because nice. because nobody wants to lose more. Now, I'll tell you what, Rammer, if, if 2020 hadn't been what it was, I might, I might be thinking this is going to be a long fight. Mm-hmm. But with the amount of money that is just gone, that nobody will ever see again, players or owners, but I think a bigger loss on the owner's side in terms of the sheer number, right? Because they get to keep yep. more. <laughs> They're the owners after all. Uh, right. I, I feel like nobody's going to have the appetite to say, we're going to give away more, especially with TV partners involved in this, and they take the kick in the teeth if you're not playing games. Uh, obviously, you know, everything, bills still need to be paid when you're not play, playing games. 
I think that's enough motivation. I, I, I'm, maybe I'm going to be wrong. I'm not even trying to be optimist. In fact, all I'm doing, Rammer, is saying I think ultimately a form of greed ends up winning out. Yeah, I, I really hope you're right. We see it and it makes sense. Sometimes these ultra-competitive people, and you, you're competitive, I know you, I'm competitive, but sometimes it seems like these folks, they don't care if it's scorched earth, they just want to <laughs> win. And, and, you know, we've seen that in real labor negotiations with real labor unions. I mean, yeah. With, with, yeah. with human beings that labor and they need the paychecks to feed their family. And so, and it can get pretty ugly when somebody, when, when, some of the people at the top are just wanting to win as opposed to figuring out what's best. And that's, I really feel like that's what we have to try and avoid. <laughs> I, hope, I, I sure hope that, that we end up doing that. Will you, this is a closing comment. You can take it where you want. Will you, will you be okay with the DH coming in since that's what Rob Manfred said today? Are you going to, is that something you'll survive? Yeah. I, and here's why. They've kind of let us know for over a year that it's going to happen. Good point. And so I whined, I groused, <laughs> I moaned, I groaned, I complained, I made my case. Yeah. And now, so I guess it's one of those levels of grief. And, and so I've kind of passed it. Now it's acceptance. Makes sense. And look, I actually think you're right. I think doing it gradually makes sense. It allows people to go, wow, hitter, pitchers batted 108 last year. Holy crap, is that bad? I don't know that I want to see any more of that. But, yeah, it's right. It's right. Like, I, I think the, the slow rollout there will actually end up being to their benefit. Plus, we got the little tease of it in 2020, and it really wasn't all that terrible. So, you know, we'll, we'll, I've always been a fan of it, but I understand, you know, pure, pure National League fans that have only known one thing. Going to take some time to get used to. Yeah, and I, you know what? You'll get you, they'll get used to it right away, especially if their team. We're talking about the Cardinals. Yeah. If the Cardinals have a DH that's hitting in the middle of the order, probably or multiple guys in that slot, and the production's there. If the production's there, everybody will go, "Oh yep. yeah, I really like it." <laughs> it's a good time to have that kind of cluster of power hitters at AAA, right? With Yepes yeah. and Gorman coming along, it's like, all right, this is probably the best time for it. And I think Lars is going to get get some yeah. time there too, and rotate the outfielders through. I think the Cardinals, although I, I kind of like a guy who's your main main DH, but if he can play in the field like Newt Bar, yeah. now you're yeah. rotating people in and out and keeping legs fresh. It should be a good thing. Looking forward to it when we get these guys back on the field. Rammer, have fun tomorrow night with the game. We'll be listening and looking forward to talking again, buddy. Thanks for doing this. I can't wait. We, when we visit, we always have a good time. Thanks, Wheels. That we do. Bob Ramsey, kind enough to join us here. The Billikens on KMOX tomorrow night, as I mentioned, 745 for the pregame show, 8 o'clock for the opening tip against St. Bonaventure. All right, stick around. We're going to talk a little Super Bowl here. I want to talk about a, a, one, a couple of things, but one, uh, there was a story in Yahoo Sports, uh, actually it's Yahoo News, saying that certain people are tuning away from the National Football League for political reasons, right? We know what those reasons are. Don't want to hear about all the social justice. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't believe everybody that's saying that they're turning away from the NFL. And I'll tell you why I don't believe it when we come back. All right, let's get a little Super Bowl talk in here. This is a little bit more about ratings and how much we can learn 
from ratings and what they tell us uh, about a popularity, the popularity of a sport. Because I saw a story it was forwarded by a friend earlier today, how people have basically cited politics, political reasons for turning away from the National Football League. And I do believe that there are people that that have done that. Just like I believe that there are people here in St. Louis that have turned away from the NFL because of what the NFL did in pulling the Rams out of here. The way that they did it uh, is way, to me, is way worse than the fact that they simply did it. If you're going to do it straight up and not lie and deceive and do all that, look, it, that would suck, but it, it, sucks, it sucks more when it's all about deception and lies and nonsense and they try to napalm the city on their way out and all of that. So, I, I mean, I, I do believe that there are people tuning out that are turning away from the sport. But I don't think it's in mass. I don't think it's happening across the country. I don't think this is something that you know, that is, is signaling, quote-unquote, the end or a decline for the NFL. Now, the peak years for the like total number of TV viewers in the U.S., we're kind of like 2014, 15, 16, right? I think 2015 was the most watched Super Bowl in U.S. history. 114 million people tuned in. Seems like they're expecting around 100 million to tune in this year. That's kind of where the numbers have been in most years. Last year, it was lower. It was 91 million fans tuned into the game. In, U- in the U.S., it's it's much bigger than that worldwide. But if you look at it, you know, kind of comparatively speaking, the regular season ratings this year were better than the regular season ratings last year. So I'll be interested to see how how that's reflected when it comes to the Super Bowl. Maybe it won't be. Maybe we'll find out that there are more people that are just aren't watching. Um, I, I do think that it's fair to point out that there are more people that are just not watching TV, <laughs> that, you know, they've, they've gone the route of finding other things to do with their time or other ways to entertain themselves. They're not watching "Quote unquote broadcast TV." They're streaming more things. They're be you know everything is a little bit more custom made, right? I mean, I, everything that I have is the way that I want it to be. It's not one big package. I don't do satellite or cable the way that anymore. I don't do it at all. I, everything's kind of a la carte. I have what I want, and I watch what I want. I don't get tied into oh this show's on this week. Got to watch that. I might watch those shows, but I'm going to watch them. I'm going to binge watch them months later or a year later as opposed to in real time where you're actually, you know, where people are actually, actually going to measure ratings. Now, I don't have the ratings meter that others do. I wouldn't be allowed to because I work in the media. But I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people's behaviors reflect that. I do think people like to make noise about anything political. Anything that they can feel politically offended by, oh, we love to let everybody know about it. And it is funny because, to me, it's funny. It may not be to you. You you might be angry about some of this, but I think it's funny that you know everybody seems to think that their side isn't inconsistent and that they don't do the thing that the other side does. We don't cancel people. Yes, you do. If you're tuning out from the NFL because of social justice issues, you're trying to cancel it. Because canceling is just ignoring or boycotting or walking away from something. That's pretty much what it is. And I, I find it fascinating, though, that people who are who are 
walking away or at least saying that they're walking away from the National Football League would do it over that, but not over, oh, I don't know, like the league covering up concussion data or, you know, the the head trauma that players suffer, right? It's not about the humanity of it. It's not I, I do know people that won't watch the NFL because of the damage that it does to the players. And I understand that, man. I'm not going to lie. There are times that I have that conversation with myself, too. Like, mm. I know that they're agreeing to do it. I know that they're getting paid a lot of money, and that's why they agree to do it. I know it's a passionate thing. And I also know but that there's, you know, that you don't, they don't all walk away from the game the same way. Some guys walk away, and they've got serious uh, CTE issues. You'll find out when they pass away that they had... Um, you know, the, the brain damage that we refer to as CTE and some players end up walking away from the league and they never have any problems. They don't, they don't die early. They don't lose their faculties. You know, they're, they're still coherent and able to do TV, for example. And I think that's part of the reason why it's still, you know, like I, I end up being, end up convincing myself that I'm okay with it. And it's, and it's because of that. It's because. It's not the same. If I knew every player was going to end up the same way, it might change my mind on it. It's just interesting what makes us turn away. Like something that we get annoyed by or something that we disagree with is more powerful than being worried about other people's health. That's fascinating to me. I get it. I mean, I understand it, right? Because it's something that you feel rather than something you have to think about. And feelings are easier, like, you know, gut feels or anger is an easier thing to process than the nuance of head injuries and the damage that's done and all that. It's just an interesting thing to me. I do think we're going to see pretty good viewership for the for the Super Bowl this year. Uh, I don't I don't know that it's not going to I wouldn't imagine it's going to be record breaking, but I would imagine it's going to be pretty strong. But I, I do think we have to accept that. In sports, there's a little bit of a different vibe now. And I want to, that, that brings me to the thing I want to touch on next, and it's going to be pretty brief. But there was a poll back in December that showed that like the younger generation of, of Americans, the Gen Z, people that are 13 to 23 years old, are not as interested in sports, not as interested in the NFL as older generations. And I have, a, I have, an, I have what I think is a, an interesting question about that. And here's the tease. Were you really all that dedicated to watching the NFL on Sundays when you were 14, 15, 16 years old? Because I was out. I was playing sports. I wasn't sitting at home watching on TV all the time. We get into that to close out the show next on KMOX. All right, to close this out, I wanted to touch on one other quick football story I saw today, and I found it is interesting. Now, the story was about Joe Burrow. It was on Deadspin, which... It's been in pretty significant decline <laughs> in the last handful of years. Um, but I did see the headline, and the headline got me. It was something like, can can Joe Cool get young fans back into football? It was, can Joe Cool solve the NFL's Gen Z problem? I'm like, okay, I'll click. Because I didn't realize there was a Gen Z problem, and I'm not sure that there is. So there was polling done uh, in December of last year. That, that showed that the that Gen Z, which is defined as people that are currently ages tw- 13 to 23, that fewer of them identify themselves as football fans, as NFL fans, 
than other generations. So according to this, 59% of all American adults consider themselves NFL fans. Only 49% of Gen Z does. And I would really like to see the numbers. And I know I, I don't think it exists, but I would really like to see the numbers from other generations when they were 13 to 23 years old. So if you had asked me, I'm Gen X. If you had asked, asked Gen Xers when they were 13 to 23, what percentage? I don't, I don't know what it is, but I know this. I never really sat down and just watched the NFL every Sunday until I was probably right out of college when I had time to do it. When I was in junior high, high school, even in college, I was playing sports. I wasn't, I mean, like I watched games. I, I had, I had team, you know, I was a, I'm a Lions fan. I had players that I loved and all of that. I would have said, yes, I'm an NFL fan, but you're the way that you look at your fandom is different when you're 13 to 23 than it is when you're 35 and you're home on your weekends and you finish cutting the lawn and the kids are off at a birthday party and you're going to sit and watch some NFL. The older we get, the more we sit around and watch things rather than do things. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that this information is wrong. I'm saying I would like to see an apples to apples comparison. I would like to see, Baby boomers at that age, 13 to 23, and Gen X at that age, 13 to 23, and millennials, you know, 13 to 20. I would love to have seen what those numbers would have said. I don't know if it's as dramatic a difference as it seems. It seems like, oh, you got a generation growing up that doesn't care about the football. Maybe, or maybe people that age, just as a general rule, aren't as into sports as observers as other age groups. Now, I was unusual even at that age. Heck, when I was uh, like a really dumb little kid, six, seven, eight years old, I was the kid reading the back of the baseball card, man. I was the kid who got sporting news every week and was reading Sports Illustrated. Like, I was in from the word go. But that doesn't mean that that was normal. It was my experience but again, I think lacking that data, we're making a pretty big leap by assuming that. I think it's important to look at apples to apples. So, you know, when you look at what the habits are of people that are, you know, 35 to 54, well, yeah, you know what? Our habits, what we like, those things are going to be different than people that are 20, 25, 30 years younger, right? And look, maybe that is a long-term problem. Maybe maybe it's different moving forward, but again, I I don't have we don't have the information that shows us what people in different generations felt at that time when they were that age, when they were in that you know your teens and early twenties. That's what would be an informative bit of information. Now, can a guy like Joe Burrow bring that kind of heat? Does he have that kind of personality? The the whole Joe Cool thing. I don't know, maybe. I do tend we think we tend to oversell that stuff, though. People usually get into it because they like the competition. They like a particular team that gets good or they're into gambling. That's something you do more when you're older, too, by the way. You guys have yourselves a great night. We'll catch you tomorrow night as we wrap up the week here on Sports Open Line. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.